Welcome, everyone, to another edition of BAMS Radio here on a frigid evening in the state of Alabama as we are past New Year on uh, January the 4th, 2000 and now 18. The University of Alabama now has an opportunity for the third straight year to play for a national championship, completely eviscerating and dominating the Clemson Tigers 24-6 to in uh, the All-State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, it really should have been a 41-6 to type game. It was a complete beatdown as Alabama completely dissected Clemson and, and decisively wins the two out of three from the Clemson Tigers. I'm uh, your co-host, Judy Arman, with uh, uh, Thomas Watts, uh, my co-host and producer extraordinaire behind uh, the curtain, and also William Barger, our third amigo uh, from 1989 to 1993, a member of the Crimson Tide and a national champion in 1992. And William was on a team that had a defensive performance like we saw this past Monday night uh, when Alabama took apart the Miami Hurricanes 34-13 in a beatdown in the Sugar Bowl on January the 1st, 1993. But, William, welcome back to BAMS Radio. Happy New Year to you. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. But uh, that that defensive performance must have brought back some memories for you this past Monday night. Man, it was great, Drew. I mean, you know, watching that game, um, you know, with with Jeremy Pruitt over there on the sidelines, uh, you know, dialing up the defense, you know, with, you know, having – you know, a healthy Mac Wilson and a healthy uh, Christian Miller, um, a healthy uh, Terrell Hall, Lewis, whatever you want to call him. Um, man, it's it's one of the uh, the best games that I've ever watched as an Alabama fan. I mean, I, I've watched it. Um, you know, it, it was great to see, um, you know, how well they did. Um, you know, you know, and I know this is going to play into your wheelhouse because how, uh, bought in you are to the, uh, you know, the, the, the two versus Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, quarterback controversy, but, you know, in my opinion, if they had, had given the green light to Tua, I mean, Drew, that that game could have been a monumental beatdown that, that nobody has ever seen uh, before. Um, and I also think it, it, it also displays how good Deshaun Watson really was, um, you know, with that team last year. But, you know... You know, I struggle with this because I don't want to, you know, make one player look bad and one guy look, you know, look good. But, you know, that that, that game could have gotten so out of hand if Alabama had a quarterback that could hit their five-star wide receivers wide ass open um in that game and that's why i feel like they go into the next game versus georgia for the national championship um that that it's even open for conversation um, you know, what Alabama does really well on defense and what they've done for a decade really well um, is stopping the run, which is what Georgia tries to do. Um, you've got a true freshman quarterback in Jake Fromm, you know, that's coming at you. But, man, I, you know, Drew, I've I've listened to what you've said about you know the the Jalen Tua you know controversy. Um, you know I've been told by an Alabama staff member that you know Tua was going to play versus uh, Clemson. That didn't happen. Um, you know it makes me look like an idiot, but 
you know, I really don't care. Um, I, I just feel so much better about this matchup versus Georgia than I did versus Clemson because I really didn't think that Alabama's offensive line could block that, 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 you know, Clemson D line that was, you know, obviously, you know, there's three guys on that, uh, that D line that are going to be uh, first round draft picks, but, you know, going forward, um, you know, it puts me into a, uh, a better position because, um, Georgia's front seven is nowhere near as talented as Clemson's was. And that's why I think that Alabama is going to roll Monday night versus Georgia. Well, and, and I, and I, and I hope that's the case. And, we know who Phil Savage is, and he's a former NFL general manager with the Cleveland Browns, still an ESPN insider for several seasons now, the color analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Uh, he was on our radio station at 977 The Zone yesterday, and we replayed the conversation on my show today. He thinks Alabama is better on both lines of scrimmage than Georgia. He picked Alabama in the game. He also had picked Alabama to beat Clemson. I hope he's correct, uh, you know, because I think that's going to be the key to Alabama winning. The only doubts I have is because Georgia is better than Clemson on the offensive line and at quarterback and at running back, but I, I, the receivers probably not. They, they don't really have any dynamic guys, even though Isaac Nauta is a talented tight end. But I, I, the only, my only doubt with it, with the situation is, well, two things. Well, when we'll talk about it. Anthony Jennings being lost uh, to injury, and he was having the game of his life. I really think he was the MVP of the game, along with, Deron Payne, who was named the defensive MVP, and, of course, Mac Wilson with his pick six and his return. But, you know, I just – I doubt the quarter I'm, – I'm worried about Alabama. I felt like going into the Auburn game that Alabama was going to have to score 28 to 31 points to win that road game. And this is going to be a de facto road game in Atlanta with Georgia buying up a lot of the tickets. I think they need the same thing again. Now, this time the defense is healthier, and if they score, that will really help against Georgia, and perhaps they will – but I just doubt the quarterback. To me, I've almost got two predictions out there. If Jalen goes the whole way, 27-20 to 20 Georgia, but if they played Tua, 28-17 Alabama, because I think he could be the pendulum to shift it in Alabama's favor. At this point, I'm like you, William. I had been hearing Tua was going to play. I thought he was going to play in the game, and especially when Matt Zenitz and some guys that are very credible also thought the same thing. You yourself had said it. I had said it. It looked like right before the game that it was going to happen, and I think it was a little bit of you know subterfuge from Nick Saban, kind of misdirecting uh, you know Clemson, having them off balance and giving them some misinformation. But you know, I still think they're going to, and it was obvious once they got up ten to nothing that they felt like that the defense was going to control this game and they could just go conservative. I still thought Coach Dable had a good plan, getting the backs involved, making sure the backs got more touches, especially as you said, Damian Harris, who could have easily been MVP of the game. But, you know, when it comes to Georgia, they're a better all-around team, and Fromm has come a long way. I just think we're going to need to see more out of Alabama in this passing game against Georgia. And if they could find a way to do what I said last week, get 180 to 200 passing yards and protect the football, they can win this game. Otherwise, I think it could be in peril. But it's just kind of interesting. At this point, since they didn't play two of this past week, I doubt he plays. But there are some people that believe, William, that maybe Coach Saban – dialed back on revealing everything for Georgia, and he could spring something on them. Do you buy into that at all, that Tua could play in this game? Um, You know, I think he could. But I think the, the, the bigger issue is, um, you know, having that guy out there on, on, the, on the defense that can set the edge um, in Anthony Jennings. Yeah, the, the absence um, of Jennings, yeah. But, you know, I just don't worry that much more about this game against Georgia than I did versus Clemson. Um, you know, that thing taught me one thing was, um, you know, a healthy, you know, I get this, Drew, from, you know, my family from all over the country, from Michigan, uh, New York State, you know, everybody. 
what Alabama was able to do defensively with a healthy defense um, has really, you know, kind of put the rest of college football um, on, 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 you know, you know, watch. Um, I think that, you know, certainly Jeremy Pruitt was uh, respectable and, and, you know, you had, uh, you know, you've got a healthy Terrell Hall, you've got Christian Miller, um, my God, uh, Dylan, uh, I mean, not Dylan Moses, but, you know, Matt Wilson was phenomenal in that game. And that's that's one of the things that I see, you know, that was great was, you know, it's important to those guys. Um, you know, Mac Wilson, he wants to take your your head off on every game. Um, so uh, when you ask me about the game and, and how I feel about it, I think that. Uh, maybe so, um, but let, let us go see what happens Saturday night, um, excuse me, Monday night, um, in, 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 uh, Atlanta, um, great, great change of, of direction, um, they're ready to go. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really fascinated uh, to see uh, Jeremy Pruitt, and I felt like that was being overblown. A lot of people thought he wouldn't be focused uh, taking that Tennessee job. He came out, he and the entire coaching staff on really both sides of the ball, but especially the defensive staff. Uh, what a plan they had, as you said. What a performance. Uh, and now he gets a chance to go head up with Kirby Smart. I know there's no love lost between those two. Uh, and and nope. and and uh, Jeremy is still very familiar with Georgia's personnel. I mean, he recruited a lot of those guys. He was there. They've got a lot of seniors. They don't really have a dynamic pass rush, which I think could be beneficial to Alabama. And another thing that I have thought of that that is in Alabama's favor, especially with Jalen Hurts playing. You've always you talked about it when he was at Alabama coordinating the defense, but Kirby Smart always seems to have trouble with a mobile quarterback. Yeah, absolutely he does. And uh, I think versus this game, he has another problem. You know, his his defense is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that um, it's close to what Clemson put on the, the table uh, Monday night. Um, I think the better uh, defense is – uh, Clemson, you know, with with the uh, the front seven personnel that they put on the table, I, that that was my biggest problem with the uh, uh, you know matchup with Alabama was, you know, can can Alabama block that you know uh, that, that defensive front seven? Um, you know, let, let's. You know, wait and see what happens with the uh, the personnel. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with it. Uh, but I think uh, that uh, that alley it is kind of up uh, Pruitt's alley. I mean, he's also known for stopping mobile quarterbacks, like he did with Clemson. But we know how much success Alabama has had against pocket quarterbacks traditionally. Uh, now they didn't have a lot of success against. Uh, Jarrett Stidham. Stidham had a great game against them, but on Johnson really ran the football, and that's going to be the key. This Alabama defense front seven, they played really well against Clemson, but they're going to have to win the battle up front and slow down Nick Chubb uh, and Sonny Michelle and Swift. They've got a three-headed monster at running back. They've got to limit those guys, and if they can get Georgia in some long yardage situations, I think they can rattle Fromm. Uh, Fromm has played well and gotten a lot better. He was 20-29 against Oklahoma, but Alabama is a different uh, breed of animal over the Sooners. Uh, they're a lot better. Uh, as just as Georgia is much better offensively than Clemson, I think Alabama is much, much better defensively than the Oklahoma Sooners. Cause it, so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of that battle within the battle if Alabama's defense can impose their will uh, and force some turnovers. Cause I think it's what it's come down to. Neither team turns the ball over a lot, but Alabama, as I said last week, needed to have one or less turnovers uh, against Clemson to win. That's what happened. They had one. 
And then, uh, but the only thing they didn't do was generate enough passing yards. If they can find a way, either through Jalen and Tua or just Jalen or whatnot, uh, to generate some passing yards and have one or less turnovers against this Georgia defense, I think Alabama can win this game. Uh, but it, it's going to come down to Jalen Hurts being able to make a few plays in the passing game. He's got to be a little sharper than he was uh, this past Monday. Uh, I think he now. I mean, maybe he'll have the, his best game of the season. He's had a couple of moments, especially against Mississippi State. But uh, that's the big X factor: is Jalen protecting the ball, but then making some big plays and. They didn't cash in on some opportunities against Clemson, but they're going to have to cash in against Georgia, William, and I think no doubt about it. Well, Drew, let me ask you this question. I mean, do do you really think that Alabama can win a national championship with Jalen Hurts at quarterback? Well, I've I've made the statement uh, that I didn't think they could. I didn't think he could. But I did say this. I amended it and said that, the only way they could was him starting and Tua Tungvaloa helping him in the playoff. Now, obviously, they didn't need that help against Clemson. I mean, they completely dominated, and uh, it, was, it became obvious by halftime. And then once that fumble happened and Clemson went backwards and had to settle for a field goal, that it was going to be very tough for Clemson, barring just a missed assignment to score a touchdown against Alabama in that game. Georgia is better offensively, so that's what gives me some pause. But I do think that Alabama is the more talented team, quite frankly. I know Georgia is experienced. They have 31 seniors. But I do think – I always put more that the teacher will school the student, and hopefully that's going to be the case uh, with Nick Saban versus Kirby Smart uh, because it would be the greatest run in college football history, five and nine years. Uh, But, of course, what I hope happens is the perfect scenario for me is Jalen Hurts playing solid football – Tua coming off the bench to help him make a couple of big throws. Alabama wins the game, and then you have a big-time quarterback battle, you know, starting out at square one in the spring. And in my opinion, Tua Tungvaloa would win that competition. But right now, it's Jalen Hurts' football team. He's got a chance to, you know, atone for last year and finish, and that's what you hope happens with this squad. And I think that Alabama can win the national championship with Jalen Hurts, but it's still, in my opinion, they're going to need an assist from Tua Tungvaloa, and I guess – a small part of me, even though I, I, I'm not going to be surprised when it doesn't happen, but a small part of me hopes that's a card that Nick Saban may spring on Kirby Smart like he sprung the onside kick on Dabo Sweeney two years ago. Wow. Well, I, I actually want to comment real quick. I, I, I've been just letting y'all go. but uh, Oh, and we just lost William. I think he uh, he might have dropped his phone. I'll call, try and call him back in just a second, Drew. But uh, I'm actually on the other side of the fence. I think this is the perfect matchup for Alabama. And you look at some of the things that Oklahoma had success with. They ran power and they ran counter to extraordinary effectiveness. You know, Rodney Anderson had 200 rushing yards. Part of that is because Baker Mayfield's a really, really good quarterback. But that's a bread and butter play for the Crimson Tide. Oklahoma also had success with a triple option game, which might have been the coolest thing the Alabama offense did against Clemson with the two-back set with Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris. You know, Najee Harris gets a little flare out of the backfield, takes it for 20 yards. There was also a triple option. I think the Georgia defense is in a bad way because of that because I don't think that Georgia is half as battle-tested as Clemson was. One of the statistics that jumped out to me looking at Clemson going into the game is that they had played something like 10 top 40 teams based on the ESPN Football Power Index. And let's just shelve the conversation about how they come up with that number. But uh, they beat them all. No, no other team had played that many, and Clemson had played a bunch of a bunch of guys Every time the Georgia offense has run up against a defense with a pulse, it's been pretty tough going. You know, there was the big loss to Auburn, and yes. Auburn did hang around in the SEC championship game. It's just Auburn had nothing offensively without on Johnson. They just they ran out of gas, quite frankly. So this, to me, is the perfect matchup for Alabama. If Alabama goes—the other thing, that you, you're, as I'm, th- I'm thinking this through— if Alabama does anything tempo on Georgia, I really wonder 
how that will affect the Bulldogs because as Alabama fans have looked at it, have have watched Kirby Smart call defense for 10 years, Kirby Smart had a penchant to have third and funky chicken where he was so desperate to get into the perfect defense that guys were out of position as the offense was getting going. Now, he and Mel Tucker, watching that Oklahoma game, are frantically signaling throughout. And that's fine, but you can take advantage of it. So I really I feel like it's such a bad matchup. Alabama has so many tools in the offensive toolbox. Yes, Jalen Hurts is limited, and I'm completely on board with the spring game, spring session quarterback competition, no matter how this game on Monday turns out. But Alabama presents so many unique challenges to Georgia that I think they're going to get blown apart. And the other thing about Georgia's offense, they deserve some credit for being very, very explosive. That they, they run game generates big plays at an extraordinary rate. Alabama's really, really good at stopping that. And I have legitimate questions about this Georgia offense driving 60 and 70 and 80 yards on the Alabama defense because Jake Fromm, for all of his improvement, he really, really likes back shoulder throws, which Alabama will have trouble defending, but he's not going to hit Alabama in the middle. So I really, I think this matchup is served to Alabama on a silver platter, and I feel like Alabama is going to roll to a championship here. And like I said, no matter how it turns out, give me a competition because I haven't heard, you know, I haven't seen to a play, but I put stock in people like you, Drew and William and others that have said Tua is just a warrior in practice. He looks great. Well, if he's as good as y'all say he is, give the kid a shot because I mean, it just, it feels like common sense to me, but I'm not, I haven't seen practice and I'm not on the practice field. So if Nick Saban says Jalen, uh, I mean, I guess that's what you go with. But yeah, that, that's where I am with this show, Drew. And I think William has uh, just hung his phone up. So I think we're, we might just be the two of us for the rest of this show. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we can uh, definitely. I, you know, I haven't. We haven't really had a chance to break down until tonight uh, this Alabama Georgia matchup. But uh, and I wanted to get your take on it because when Kirby was at Alabama, one of the things he got criticized the most for was, you know, they struggled against the Johnny Manziels. Uh, they struggled against Nick Marshall at times. How big a factor can Jalen's mobility be against this Georgia defense, which uh, I don't think they're, – so, they're good, they're solid, but I'm like you. I've seen them enough this year. Florida ran – you know how bad Florida was on offense, and Florida ran the ball on them. I do think this, this defense can be had by Alabama – if they can just find a way to make enough plays throwing the ball. But do you think the mobility of Hurts will once again be some kryptonite for Kirby? I think it could certainly be that. The Georgia defensive tackles, though they have a bunch in the rotation, they don't really scare me as a group. You know, I really wish that Lester Cotton would be available, and his status, I believe, is still up in the air. Could you correct me there, Drew? Or is he not playing on Monday? Well, I'll just say this. Nick Saban has not met the media okay. since Monday, but I will be beyond shocked. And, you know, Anthony Jennings has already declared himself out. Right. But uh, the, all, the whole week, J.C. Hassenauer has been with the first group at right guard. It will shock me to no end if Lester Cotton plays. I think he's out. I think it's either an ACL or a sprained knee. And, you're, and Alabama's fortunate from the standpoint that Hassenauer has already played a lot considering – you know, Pierce Baker went down. He did a great job against Mississippi State, won SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. He's played center in both guards, so he's used to it. And I think J.C. Hasnauer is going to be fine. I'm like William. I'm more worried about the absence of Jennings. And what that's going to mean is you're going to see uh, Terrell Lewis and, and, and more than likely Christian Miller split reps at the jack position. And then it'll mean Jamie Mosley – gets to see some action at Sam. Now, Jamie is solid and knows the defense backwards and forwards, but he's not as talented as a guy like Christian Miller. So, And then they could use LeBron Ray situationally, perhaps even Vendarius Cowan. I'm going to be interested to see how that ha- that works, but I do think 
the University of Alabama can scheme around that for any Jennings, but the Jennings loss to me is the most significant one. No, I absolutely agree. But the reason I was asking about Lester Cotton, and, and your point about Jesse Hasenauer is succinct and well put, Lester Cotton was a big physical guy. And if he, particularly in the run game, if he got his hands on you, you're probably going for a ride. And with those defensive tackles, you know, Georgia's going to try and two-gap. Well, if you get blown out of the way by a guy like Lester Cotton, you, by definition, cannot two-gap. So even with I'll be interested to see how the interior of the Alabama offensive line gets pushed in the run game. I certainly think they can be had. I also think that the edge players for Georgia, while solid, the way you get around good edge play is you run at it. I mean, it's simple. Going back to I've I've used this several times talking about this uh, postseason Go back to the Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game a few years ago. Jarvis Jones was a fantastic pass rusher, but he had struggled in run support because he's just not the biggest guy. Alabama ran at him all night. And honestly, it's a, it's a, it, it, they turned it into a physics problem because when a guy like DJ Fluker engages with a guy like Jarvis Jones, if he can get to the second level, it's just a hard loss. So there are schematic ways to do that. And that was my point I wanted. That's why I made the point about Oklahoma running power, pulling a guard over between either the, either around the left tackle or between the left tackle and the left guard or whichever. Oklahoma had tons of success doing that. That's a bread and butter play for the Crimson Tide. And yes, Georgia will probably crowd the line of scrimmage. But honestly, Alabama just needs to get four and five yards a couple of times, you know, ten, four, five plus five equals 10 when last I counted. So I, I really think that this Georgia defense can be had. You've got to give Roquan Smith a lot of props and Lorenzo Carter will probably shoot up draft boards once the draft process starts. But I mean, I feel like Georgia feasted much like Alabama did on some bad SEC teams. The key difference is, when Alabama played offenses with a pulse, it's not you know it's not like Auburn ran all over Alabama. Over 50, I think forty eight runs, they gave up one hundred sixty eight yards. That's not terrible given the injury situation. You know Clemson, like I said, played a bunch of really decent you know not really good but solid football teams throughout their season, and they were running at a high rate. They were performing very well. And they had absolutely nothing for this Crimson Tide defense. So, you know, just to reiterate, I do think this defense can be had. And should Jalen discover a passing game, the route could be on. Because I really have zero respect for anybody in the Georgia secondary outside of Dominique Sanders. I was going to ask you about that. Because I think Alabama felt like going in that Clemson secondary was garbage. And that there would be plays to be made. And there was, but they didn't make them all. But I was going to say, I think the, the Georgia secondary is not great either. I think it can be had if Alabama, whether they, and whether that's, you know, uh, doing some things schematically for Jalen or even playing that to a card uh, that they didn't play in the last game and kind of coming out and shocking Kirby, which I would like nothing better than to, uh, to, to, to drop an anvil on his head and make him look like, uh, you know, the rank amateur that I think he is compared to Nick Saban. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I would love that. Uh, the, I would love uh, for – that's my that would be my dream scenario, for Jalen to play well, Tua to come off the bench and help, and Alabama to route Georgia, and then for Tua Tungvaluwa to win this job in the spring. And it's no disrespect to Jalen. It's all about a business and being the best player, which I think Tua is long-term. But this is Jalen's team – and hopefully they can cash in this opportunity because I do think they're the more talented team, but it's so crucial to be able to throw it. But I thought Brian Dable, he's received criticism, which to me is ludicrous. Um, I, I, you know, the, the second half, the only sequence I didn't prefer was when he didn't take the air out of the ball and they weren't going to play Tua and let Jalen throw two straight passes instead of running the ball and letting the clock run when it became obvious that Clemson wouldn't score. And that's why Nick Saban uh, you know, gave him the business. Uh, but I, I think that the plan was good around Jalen, 
They ran the ball. They were patient with it. They only threw one first down pass, which is kind of concerning, but they really didn't need to do that anything but that. And then I like the screens to the backs and the quick screens to the wide receivers. It was high percentage stuff. I'm just thinking that they may have to be a little bit more varied against Georgia, and if they can execute it, Thomas, I'm like you. I think the plays will be there to be made because I think one of the biggest mismatches in the game is the Alabama wide receivers against those Georgia DBs. I completely agree. And a guy that you know we brought up last week, and he got he had a catch, but Alabama is going to be operating out of a lot of you know two tight end sets most likely, or three wide receivers with a tight end in it. It's going to be probably a heavier grouping just because Alabama is going to want to run a lot, but. Looking back at Georgia and Oklahoma again, Mark Andrews had the half of his life. Now, he's a fantastic tight end. Irv Smith is not Mark Andrews, the Oklahoma tight end. But he was running free, and those Georgia linebackers had nothing for him. Georgia had to bracket a tight end. Bracket a tight end. That's just one more potential weapon that could be that Alabama could use. And again, that's why I say all the offensive toolbox stuff. But I really, the Georgia secondary, they're, I mean, they're a decent group, but like I say, I'm not really scared by it. I'm not real desperate for Jalen to throw near Dominique Sanders because he is a big play machine for the Georgia defense on the back end. But overall, you know, you just don't look at it and you want to talk about unit versus unit. There's not a DB that I would take. Now, maybe Dominique Sanders, if I could get him for Deontay Thompson, but even Deontay Thompson against the Clemson Tigers played a really solid game. So, you know, overall, I just, I think there will be plays to be made. It will be on Alabama to make them. And I really, the second I saw this matchup where I realized it when I was in the Superdome, I turned to, I was with my girlfriend, Ashley. I was like, Alabama's going to beat Georgia like 24-10, 31-10. This is going to be ugly. So that's kind of where I'm at. But, you know, we can also talk defense since we just spent the past 10 minutes talking offense, Drew. Well, I can say this, too, about uh, Irv Smith. He's a future pro. He caught one ball, but he blocked his ass off. Yes. And, you know, he he did a great job, and I think he'll do a great job on Monday. Um, And I'll say this, too, about Deontay Thompson. I You know, Hootie Jones had a solid year for Alabama. I thought he came a long way in the last two years, and Coach Saban completely trusted him. But sometimes injuries can be a blessing. And Hootie had a good run at Alabama, but Deontay Thompson can bring the noise. He was an upgrade with what he did against uh, uh, against Clemson, and I think he can be a playmaker against Georgia. I think, uh, I, I think he's a guy that uh, I think is dynamic. I loved him in high school. I think he's got great instincts. I think he's ready. And I think this secondary – uh, with Minka Fitzpatrick, with uh, Averett, and with my boy Levi Wallace. Got to give special mention to my boy Levi Wallace, who got the deflection that led to the pick six, and I thought had a very good game. Had another big breakup with Deion Kane, where he got a piece of the ball and a deep ball. I thought Levi, as always, was right where he needed to be. He got an invitation to the Senior Bowl this week, Thomas, and I'm hoping he'll go out in his last game in a Crimson Tide uniform with his father watching from above and get a pick against the Peckerheads from Athens. Well, that could certainly be in the offing. I will say that, though I feel this game will look very similar to the Alabama-Clemson game, one of the things that was highlighted by Cole Kublik and something that I saw as well is that the Clemson tight ends just didn't have anything for this Alabama defensive line group. They were an absolute liability. Now, why the Clemson offensive coordinator thought it was anything close to a good idea to ask a tight end to single block a powerhouse like Deshaun Hand, I'll never know. But, you know, the Georgia tight ends are better blockers, so that might look a little bit different. But, honestly, the Alabama defense is so locked. They look so locked in. And, again, Clemson is a good group. So, you know, one of the things that is concerning about Levi Wallace, he's a technician, but – Javon Wims is just a big old dude, and it's really hard to defend a well-thrown back shoulder pass. But, you know, that's that's something, even as good as Jake Fromm is at executing that particular play, it's not really a high percentage because you can absolutely, you can miss it almost just terribly. So 
I think that that was that's one thing to watch, but it's not something that I'm extraordinarily concerned about. So I mean, just just front to back, you know, Georgia, particularly defensively, since that's where we're going. In a lot of ways, it's Alabama light. You give Roquan Smith credit, but Mac Wilson is a stud. You know, if there's one thing you can take coming out of the Clemson game, no matter what the result of this national championship game on Monday is, it's that the middle linebacker positions at Alabama are in really good hands for the next at least two years with Mac Wilson next year and Dylan Moses as his primary understudy. That's a scary good combination going forward. But, again, I just I feel like this defense, Georgia's defense is Alabama light. And, you know, Alabama's offensive line is, it, they. if you look at the grading system, Bradley Bozeman and Jonah Williams regularly graded an NFL level. Matt Womack, I mean, he's he's had good games. He's had bad games. We've already talked about J.C. Hasenauer. It's just a bad matchup for Georgia trying to defend this Alabama offensive attack. And then the Alabama defense, they're functionally playing the, the offense they see in practice every day, except that instead of a mobile quarterback, and Jake Fromm has some athletic ability, but instead of a mobile quarterback, they're playing a guy that wants to be a pocket passer, which means you know you don't have to mush rush. You can just go get him in a passing situation, which completely changes how you have to scheme that. You know, Kelly Bryant, you had to be at least disciplined. You don't be have to be as disciplined against Jake Fromm, particularly in a passing situation, because he's almost certainly not going to be able to do what Kelly Bryant did a couple of times to the Crimson Tide in the Sugar Bowl. So, again, Drew, I, I don't mean to sound dismissive of Georgia. It, it, they, they deserve to be here. They, they beat who was put in front of them. But if I'm a Georgia fan, I wanted to see Clemson more than I wanted to see Alabama, because Alabama is going to do some things that are very unique and very difficult to deal with because, and going back to when we talked about in the Sugar Bowl, there were questions about Alabama's health, etc. Those were emphatically answered, and that's a game-changer against the Bulldogs on Monday. And then Thomas, uh, special teams-wise, they've got Rodrigo Blankenship, Rose Bowl record 55-yarder. We've seen Papanastas have a solid year but struggle down the stretch a little bit, one out of two on monday uh but they do have jk scott who can be a game changer with field position uh i thought Javon Diggs, big tackle to start the game set the tone solid punt returns nothing much had a kickoff return what about special teams on both sides where do you see that i think we really need to focus on jk scott for this one because i feel like the game is going to evolve very similar to what we saw against alabama clemson you know alabama will get you know, a first, maybe a three and out, but more more often than not, maybe a first down, maybe two first downs, and then use J.K. Scott to buy an extra 10, 15 yards on a punt, assuming that the, some of this offensive stuff that we've talked about where the wide receivers will have plays to be made, those don't get made. I still think Alabama will be able to move the ball to some level on this defense. I don't know if Georgia is going to be able to do that and because of having J.K. Scott, and I believe you know Georgia's punter Nizalik's not bad, but give me J.K. against anybody, including the Texas punter that declared for the draft, which is kind of awesome when you think about it. But you know, give me J.K. there. Rodrigo Blankenship, he made a 55-yard field goal, and good on him. Credit where credit's due. You have to feel like Georgia can count on him, but. I don't see the massive difference between him and Andy Papanastas unless the misses in the Sugar Bowl get inside Papanastas's head. So I would give that a push, maybe slight exa- slight advantage to Georgia. But for that, I think you have to say the opposite, particularly with how the game's going to develop with J.K. Scott. The kickoff and return units, uh, simply put, Drew, they have to be solid. You know, Mecole Hardman, who is one of the primary kick returners, Alabama fans who are recruitniks will remember that name. He is shifty and electric with the ball in his hands. He hasn't been a fantastic, you know, set the world on fire returner, but he can do some damage. He's not just going to stand back there and wave and fair catch. But, I mean, overall, I just feel like, you know, if you want to talk about decisive advantage, J.K. Scott, like you said, is a game changer, particularly in this kind of game, because I just don't see 
Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb getting those ridiculous rushing lanes that they had throughout the game against Oklahoma. You know, they'll probably they'll get there, you know, 50, 100 yards rushing. They'll probably combine for, you know, 120, 130, and they'll have a decent game. But they're going to get it in three- and four-yard bursts. And should the Georgia offensive line, which has taken steps forward this year, kind of regress or get physically overmatched by a very good Alabama defensive line, those three-and-a-half, four-yard averages could drop to two. And if you can get Georgia to two yards a carry, you will beat the brakes off the Bulldogs because that's really all they've got. Thomas, I've got to ask you, too. Uh, I've seen some comments. Uh, I think it was attributed to uh, Lorenzo Carter, uh, who is the senior uh, defensive end who from Norcross, who was heavily recruited by both Alabama and Georgia, uh, signs with the Bulldogs. He was quoted as saying today that if they stop the run, the game's over. They're going to beat Alabama. Your thoughts on Georgia maybe not being there before and providing Alabama with some stupid bulletin board material? Okay. Well, let's just look at the uh, the statement on its face. If Georgia can stop the run, they will beat Alabama. This is categorically true. Alabama, much like Georgia, is a run-first team, and they've really made hay, you know, rushing the ball than potentially setting up the pass, but more than anything, just running people over. But it's a lot easier said than done. Again, Let's comparing the Georgia and the Clemson defenses, particularly on defensive efficiency with rushing, the two teams are very similar. Uh, I'd have to look at the advanced statistics, but I believe they're both in the high 20s in terms of rushing efficiency defense, which is good. But again, you just saw Alabama run on a defense, which to me is a better unit from a particularly front seven talent point. Roquan Smith's awesome. But it's not like Roquan Smith is awesome and Dorian O'Daniel is just a schlub. Uh, also, the you know the status of Natres Patrick for Georgia will be interesting to know going forward because he's had some issues, some some legal issues, I believe it's what it is. But you know more than anything, Alabama just had success running the ball against a very good Clemson front. Enos Georgia might defend it a little bit differently than Clemson because Clemson wants to get four guys down and just attack and punish you, whereas Georgia does it a little bit differently. But statistically, I just don't see how you can make that claim. I think that he's absolutely right on the surface, but I would be stunned if Georgia can really, really stop the Alabama rushing attack. Because frankly, Drew, if Clemson can't do it playing better competition by and large— then Georgia darn sure can't. And again, just for the third time, I don't mean to keep reiterating this, but Oklahoma's run concepts are very familiar to Alabama. That's some of the stuff that the Crimson Tide does very well. And I'm not saying that they're going to have a guy go for 200 like Rodney Anderson did, but I certainly think doing some of that and really hammering Georgia at the point of attack at cer- on certain calls like a, you know the powers and the counters they're going to have success doing that, and that that's just what I see. So, you know, he's right, but realistically, it's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen at a rate. I think Georgia needs it to happen to stop this Crimson Tide offense. Well, there's no doubt uh, that I think Alabama needs to run the football for 200 yards or around that, you know, 180, control the clock, uh, you know, uh, find a way to generate in 180 to 200 passing, which means also time of possession, score, you know, 28 to 31 points, protect the ball, one turnover less. I think that's a formula to win, whether it's Jalen the whole way or Jalen and Tua, uh, you know, uh, and Tua providing a spark to the passing game. I feel like that's what they, they need to do. I think that, you know, Georgia can definitely be had in this game. I'm getting more confident as the week goes on. I've been pessimistic since I saw them drop all those points on Oklahoma, though I know that the entire Big 12 is a dumpster fire. They think defense is optional. I understand all that, but I also know how talented that Oklahoma offense well, is. And it was, and it was impre- pardon me, I was just going to say, it was impressive watching Georgia be able to kind of match them. But I understand that I think Alabama is a different breed of animal when it comes to their style of play. 
The only thing I'll say about Oklahoma is that I don't know how Mike Stoops still has a job. That de- yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. That defense, I mean, it's got talented players. Um, Okoronkwo, one of the rush ends, is a really good player that will play on Sundays. But mm-hmm. their gap discipline was non-existent. Like, it, you could take any of the longer runs, and Georgia had a lot of long runs. Yes, they did. And literally draw up what the defense was supposed to do. And of the 11 guys, maybe two of them did it. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't just on one play where, oh, well, we read X and it was Y. It was on multiple plays where multiple guys just didn't have a clue. Alabama's not going to do that. So, I mean, I just, I understand that it is very impressive that Georgia, I think Georgia just blasted Oklahoma once they figured it out at halftime. And Lincoln Riley, at that game to me is an indictment of Lincoln Riley not being able to adjust worth a rip in the second half. But I just, that's not, that, that's not something Alabama's going to let you do. And Drew, I've said this to you multiple times. The last true pro-style team to beat the Crimson Tide, to just to just to get in the middle of the ring and say, I'm going to try and punch your face in, will you try and punch my face in, was LSU in 2011. Now, let me just put it to you this way, Drew. This Georgia team doesn't have three-quarters of the talent of that LSU team because that LSU team, true. their entire defense, it felt like, ended up playing in the NFL. You know, we're talking the Tyron Matthews and all those guys. So, I mean, Georgia's going to try. They're going to try and out Alabama, Alabama. But, you know, let's talk about who's tried to do that in the recent past. LSU keeps trying it. They, they tried some fluky version of it this year, and it didn't really work. Yeah, they outgained Alabama, but outgaining Alabama 306 to 299 don't, doesn't scare me. Uh, Michigan State two years ago tried to do it, and that was hilarious. They were overmatched in the extreme. You could argue that Washington tried to do it in some ways last year, but they didn't have a shot. So it's not just that Alabama has a history, you know, five years ago of shutting down pro-style offenses. It's that they keep doing it. You know, I, I just, I'm sorry. Pocket passers to Alabama are dog food. Yes, I use the word dog food. They love to chew them up and spit them out, and that's what they've done with regularity, and that's really what I expect this defense to do on Monday. Yeah, I mean, and I think Alabama has the opportunity to do that. It's just going to be interesting to see if uh, if they can rattle Jake Fromm early and get after him. They've had a lot of success against pocket-style quarterbacks, and, and, and again, there's no love loss between Kirby and, and Jeremy Pruitt. I'm hoping that Pruitt get, gets a chance to make a statement and two statements, one to win Alabama, their fifth in, in national championship in nine years, which has never been done, and to, to, and, and to make it the greatest dynasty in college football history, and to tell Kirby Smart, I'm better than you. I just want another one. I've wanted it, it, it you know, uh, tw- twice at Alabama as a position coach, as a coordinator. I wanted it at Florida State. And guess what? I'm going to be at Tennessee, and I'm going to kick your ass there too. You're not going to have a layup in this division like you think you're going to. When I get players, I'm going to outcoach you. And I really hope he can humble Kirby Smart some because I think Mr. Tip his hat and run around like a dumbass after they won the uh, the Rose Bowl needs to be humbled a little bit. I don't think he's handled himself with class or dignity since he took the Georgia job. I think he's acted like a horse's ass, and I think he deserves to get his ass kicked on Monday and hopefully karma is going to pay off. Well, uh, I also hope karma is going to pay off. And just for fans that are more casual than you and I, Drew, it's not, and I'll speak for myself, and you can feel free to correct me, it's not that either of us dislikes Kirby Smart that much. At least I don't. But there was some things that Kirby Smart did on his leaving Alabama that just don't sit well. I mean, there was the Mari Smith thing that we've talked about multiple times. There have been rumors about recruiting boards and being that trying to leverage that against Alabama. So he's done a good job burning some serious bridges with Alabama. And, you know, some you, if you're going to take a shot at the king, 
you best not miss. And he does not have the team to take a real good shot at Nick Saban this year. Well, I hope that's correct. And I do think this Alabama team has gotten healthy at the right time, though it's unfortunate that Anthony Jennings won't be there to try to finish this drill off. But I will say this, with all the injuries this team has incurred, especially defensively and with a linebacker group, I don't. I've, I've heard Dylan Moses is, you know, tried to test his foot at practice. I'll be very surprised if he plays. But if Alabama can win the national championship after all this, and with a quarterback, in my opinion, that's limited, and with a special talent behind him, but if they're able to navigate this and go thirteen and one and win it again, I think it's going to be Nick Saban's best coaching job, and especially Jeremy Pruitt's. And to me, Thomas, it's still one of the biggest travesties I've ever seen in my life that Jeremy Pruitt was not up for the Bulls award. Yeah. Uh, not much more to say than yeah. Broyles award given to the nation's top assistant every year. And you're talking about a guy that yes, it's in Alabama, but he was playing plug and play with linebackers and in Alabama's defense, you have to have elite linebacker play. That's, that's like the ax that's the axle upon which the defensive wheel turns and, you know, he got that at times, but when you're plugging and playing guys, you know, we saw that, you know, Dylan Moses played great against Mercer, but he was a little overmatched against Auburn, for example, but Alabama's still here and, you know, you only can, you know, ex post facto, you can certainly say that the Crimson Tide defense for all of its injuries, they looked like a completely different animal against Clemson, and if that continues, even in the loss of Anthony Jennings, I didn't mean to say that, to, to minimize it. It is a big problem for the Crimson Tide, but if if Alabama comes out and finishes this off, yeah, that's a big feather in the cap of Jeremy Pruitt, and Alabama fans better stand up and take notice, because if he can keep rocking and rolling with that at Tennessee, they're going to become a problem in a hurry, not just for Kirby Smart in Georgia, but for Nick Saban in Alabama as well. Yes, they will. Uh, no question about that. And it's, it hasn't really been a rivalry for a long time uh, at t with that Tennessee and Alabama, and that could change quickly, no doubt about it. But as we're wrapping it up on this BAMS radio, uh, you know, I've, I'm growing more confident as the week goes on. I'm still, you know, in a way leaning toward the Bulldogs. But uh, if Tua Tungvaluwa, if you told me he was going to get a shot to play, I do think that's the, the complete pendulum swing that I would take Alabama. Uh, I, I've said earlier in the week, uh, Georgia 27-20, but I've said uh, without Tua, but if Tua played 28-17, uh, you've made some outstanding points tonight. I would not be surprised if Alabama won this game. I certainly hope they do because I don't have any – I appreciate what Kirby Smart did for Alabama and helping them build a dynasty, but now that he's left and the way he's acted, I have no love at all for him. Uh, I would like nothing better than Alabama to thoroughly dominate uh, the Bulldogs on Monday night. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I'm going to go – if Alabama wins this game, I, I'm going to go ahead and give you my picks on who I think, in my opinion, could be the most outstanding players in this game. But I think if they if they do win it, I will go ahead and choose uh, – you know, I think Damian Harris could have a big game for Alabama running the football. Should have got some votes uh, for the outstanding player of the game, in my opinion, against Clemson with nearly 80 yards rushing. I think he can be a big factor as a runner and receiver. Uh, my X factor in the game, I'm still going to go with Irv Smith. I think he, if they utilize him, you've talked about it, I think he could uh, be an X factor offensively. Defensively, uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go again uh, with one of the linebackers. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Rashawn Evans in his last game in a Crimson Tide uniform because they may need to use him some of the jack linebacker position to rush on third down. He could make some plays against a, a quarterback that's not as dynamic uh, from the standpoint of maybe helping force two or three of those turnovers and, and play solid at his middle linebacker slot. And the X factor defensively for me, too, because he's going to play more snaps is Terrell Lewis. I think he could be another one with his length and athleticism that could give Georgia a lot of problems with special mention from Deontay Thompson. But I really like Terrell Lewis. If Alabama's going to win this game, I think those are the guys that are going to have to step up. And then I'm anxious to see if Trevon Diggs, from the special teams aspect, can continue to gain more confidence 
uh, as he looked like he was gaining on Monday. Who are your guys kind of to watch, Thomas? Well, okay. I'm going to agree with you on Damian Harris. He should probably get MVP, but I feel like Jalen Hurts is going to end up getting it because he's going to touch the ball the most. I mean, because Alabama is still going to split carries. I kind of hope that Bo Scarborough either gets on track, which he hasn't been on track for at least a month, or his carries go to someone else. You know, an interesting X factor to me, I absolutely loved that two-back set, and I would be very interested to see what a guy like Najee Harris could do in that because, you know, the one time he had the ball, he did something good with it. Did they deploy that again? That would be pretty awesome. I would love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I Sorry to interrupt. I would love that because I think he deserves more touches, and Scarborough just has not looked like the Scarborough we saw last year. Exactly. So – I you know I think Najee Harris could be the X factor you know now we won't get any snaps and I look like a fool next week but if they win I'll, I'll deal with the derisive comments but uh, no I, I you know I think Damian Harris will probably end up deserving it but Jalen Hurts will win MVP should Alabama win and, and talking about the defense you know I, I'm going to go defensive line here but I'm going to go a couple of interior players that frankly got overshadowed by Deron Payne having a really good game I think your defensive MVP could end up being Isaiah Bugs because Isaiah Bugs was everywhere Monday. He made stops in the run. He got to the passer. He was everywhere. And, you know, that guy, he could he might end up with a bunch of tackles or if he makes one big play like a strip sack. That can get you defensive MVP. And then my X factor is actually one of his running mates in Raquan Davis. You know, Raquan Davis is a behemoth on the Alabama defensive line. He's a big athletic dude. And Alabama's going to be deploying a whole lot of big athletic dudes against the Georgia Bulldogs. So I think the defensive line is has a real chance to go completely, you know, carry the day for the Crimson Tide. And should they win, I could certainly see the defensive MVP and the X Factor being one or both of those guys, Drew. And my final score, you know, one of the cool things, just to give a final score before we get out of here, one of the cool things going to the Sugar Bowl was that Gene Stallings was honored as a Sugar Bowl Hall of Famer. He was at the game, got a big yes. cheer. Great. And awesome. 25 years ago, Alabama won uh, 31-13? 34-13. excuse me. That, I haven't watched that game in the recent past. So, you know, no angry tweets, please, BAMS listeners. But uh, I'm going to go 34-13. Quarter of a century later, Alabama does it again over Georgia. Boy, that would be sweet because I hate Kirby Smart. I'm not afraid <laughs> to say it. He's a maggot, and he deserves to have his ass whipped. Uh, he did a lot for Alabama, but he hasn't handled himself with any class or any dignity since he left. Um, I, I, I think he's done a great job, but he could have done it in a better way. He, he's done anything. He, he, he said a lot of things about Coach Saban that I've heard on the recruiting trail that I think are ridiculous. Um, I don't think they're friends anymore. I think they're acquaintances. I think they might – you know, play golf at a function, but they would never be on a Christmas card list anymore. And, you know, Alabama will hopefully show the world on Monday night who the man is. And I'll, I'll quote Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And hopefully the University of Alabama will prove that true again. They're the Darth Vader of college football. They're reviled around the country. But hopefully this will be an evening of deal with it, America. Alabama should have been in the playoff. And hopefully they can make a statement that they were no doubt the best team. And Nick Saban can take another step in being the greatest of all time. Along with Coach Paul Bear Bryant, he can win his sixth national championship and tie Coach Bryant. And then take the steps to be and separate himself, even from the great Coach Paul Bear Bryant, as the greatest of all time and have the two best that ever have done it be in the office in Tuscaloosa, which is going to, to the delight of myself and the rest of the Bama nation drive Joel Klatt, Colin Cowherd and all the national media morons insane that have to deal with Alabama. And hopefully it'll be another chapter of that on Monday night, but we're going to wrap it up here for this BAMS radio I want to thank William Barger, who was with us earlier. I want to thank Thomas Watts, who 
gave us some outstanding analysis and breakdown on this episode tonight. I've enjoyed talking some of this matchup with you. Uh, you know, we're going to come to you live next week and hopefully be celebrating another national championship for the University of Alabama. But we hope you have a great rest of your week. Monday night will be here before you know it. Another chance for Alabama and Nick Saban to t- climb atop the mountain and, and atone for last year. I'm sure a lot of everybody has seen the video that's gone viral with what you know Scott Cochran did a year ago with the second-place trophy from the game against Clemson. Hopefully Alabama will be raising that championship trophy on Monday night. And hopefully we'll be talking to you next week in a great mood as Alabama has taken another step toward continuing the dynasty that Nick Saban's built, which is, in my opinion, the greatest in the modern era of college football. Good night, everyone. Roll Tide, hopefully on to number 17. One more step to go.